Hello, my name is David Lesner, and I'm one of the pastors at Creekwood United Methodist Church. We are located in Fairview, Texas, right east of Allen, just north of the Dallas area. The sermon you're about to hear was recorded at one of our worship services, which we'd love to invite you to check out live at 8.30 a.m. for traditional or 11 a.m. for contemporary on Sunday mornings on our Facebook page or the recorded version on YouTube. We'd love for you to check out our social media pages at Creekwood UMC or our website, creekwoodumc.org, for more information about what is happening and how you can grow with us in our mission to share God's love. If you feel inspired, there's also a way to give at the top of the website. Thanks for listening to this sermon, and we hope it inspires you in your journey with God. Good morning, everybody. The scripture this morning is taken from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. Please listen to the word of God. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. The word of God for the people of God. So last Sunday I had the opportunity to continue on this intentional journey this year that I've been on of soul care and self-care um, by finding moments to uh, be in awe of God um, outside of the normal um, kind of routine of everyday ministry. And so had the opportunity to go hiking over President's Day weekend um, in Big Bend with my family. And um, what I learned along the way, or very early on, is that when you bring a cell phone to Big Bend, it is nothing more than just extra weight in your pocket. Um, because there is no cell phone service whatsoever until you get to uh, one of the visitor centers, and, and you get like one bar. And so on Sunday morning, um, we went out hiking up this um, boulder scramble trail up to Balancing Rock, and as we get done and we're going back to um, one of the stations to fill up our water, um, we enter into that one little bar cell phone service zone, and it's around noon, 12.10, and all of a sudden my phone just goes ding, 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 ding. And there's about six or seven text messages, a few Facebook notifications, and most of them have something to say about, you know, Pastor Marcus is a much better singer than you are. <laughs> and y'all, I appreciate how close we are that you feel comfortable texting me that, but there is nobody that needs to, no one that needs to remind me that I am not that great of a singer. And I say that I spared you two weeks ago during the Eros Love Sermon the title of that sermon was The Way You Make Me Feel. I could have gone all Michael Jackson on you, um, and I spared you that. In fact, actually, all of, the, um, all of the sermons that we've been doing in this Ordinary Love Sermon uh, have come uh, from musical titles. The, the, they're named after musical titles because music has such a way of expressing the emotions of love that sometimes words can't um, can't just do justice to it, as Kathy sang, right? There's a certain emotion behind listening to Kathy sing that song versus if we just got up here and, and spoke that song. And the, the title of the series, Ordinary Love, is actually inspired by the, um, the name of a U2 song. U2 is my favorite band, and um, they sang a song called Ordinary Love that was centered around um, racism in South Africa. And it's a challenging song of if we 
um, how are we ever going to live up to the highest standards of love? How are we going to ever live up to all these dreams of love and peace in the world if we can't get past the ordinary, everyday, simple act of treating somebody with different skin color the same way that we would like to be treated? And that's just one of the divisions that the band saw in preventing us from what the Bible calls agape love, or the Greek language is agape love. It is this unconditional, undying, never-ending love that is the highest ideal of love given to us by God and is designed for us to share in love with God and ultimately is what we were created in by God is what's called agape love. And it's the highest ideal for love, and it reminds me of another song. Now, how many of you have seen, Karen was talking about old movies, how many of y'all have seen this movie? The Bodyguard? Okay, so I'm not ruining a movie that's 20 years old. I have a tendency to spoil movies that are 20 years old, but by 20 years, it's your fault for not watching it at this point. But if you've seen the movie, right, at the end, you've got Whitney Houston, and she's on her private jet looking through the window, and there's Kevin Costner in the sling, the bullet he just took for her, longingly looking for each other. The music has already been playing, bittersweet memories, oh. I'm taking, I'm doing this because you texted me. <laughs> right. Got to do the whole thing. So, right, so the plane starts moving. Kevin Costner takes one step. Whitney Houston has her mouth open like she wants to say something. And the, and the camera pans to where all of a sudden Kevin Costner's no longer in the window screen. anymore and the plane's getting ready to take off and all of a sudden Whitney Houston yells stop and the plane cuts to her running off the jet onto the runway and you got this and I will always love you right moment right there it is this for those of you who are new today I apologize this doesn't happen every Sunday for good reason right it is this huge explosive moments of this passionate kiss that they share and you think yes this is the way that it is supposed to end this is the passionate love we were looking for all movie long but here's the thing that song is a breakup song the movie ends when they go their separate ways and they had this moment where they connected they they recognized the affection they had for each other but then they both go their own separate ways. The song was originally written by Dolly Parton. And I'll say she wrote I Will Always Love You in the same day that she wrote Jolene. So this is a very profitable day for Dolly Parton. Um, she wrote I Will Always Love You. She had been in a uh, longtime partnership. She'd been on the Porter Wagner show. And they started forming this duet pair together. Some of y'all are familiar with the Porter Wagner show. They formed this duet pair together. And she felt like she was just being led. She wanted to go explore a solo career. And so she went to Porter Wagner and said, I'm going to leave the group. I'm going to leave the show and go do my own thing. And his first reaction was to file a lawsuit for breach of contract. Right? Because that's what we do when people hurt us, is we file lawsuits. Or we get in their face. Or we try and win the argument. We have maybe no uh, empathy for what they may be led or called to do. So he files a lawsuit. So Dolly, in reaction to this lawsuit, goes back into her studio and writes the words to, I will always love you. this radical expression of love with this really awesome affirmation that even when things aren't perfect, 
even when our friendships are maybe falling apart, even when we're not going to get the love of our life, it's this ultimate affirmation that Dolly gives us that even when things aren't perfect, we can still love each other. I want to take you a journey through the, just the Bible, and I'm just going to stick with the teachings of Jesus um, here, or the, the life of Jesus, to show us um, when things aren't perfect, how God's love really can um, come into play. And so Luke 4 has this moment when Jesus goes back to his hometown of Nazareth, and he is preaching in the synagogue. He stands up in front of the synagogue and he reads from the scroll of Isaiah. So this is the, this is the words that Jesus is expressing that he's about. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's flavor. This is the good news of healing, the good news of the jubilee year, the good news of lifting up the economically disadvantaged. I mean, all of this ought to bring good news in our minds, but the reaction of the crowd in Nazareth was, when they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they might hurl him off a cliff. Exactly what you do to your Lord and Savior, right? Luke chapter 5 shares this story of a man who is lowered by his friends through the roof of a house so that Jesus might heal him. And Jesus, in kind of this theological moment and theological statement to heal him, says, your sins are forgiven, rise and walk. And what's the response of the Pharisees and the scribes who are nearby that moment? And the scribes and Pharisees began to question, who is this who is speaking blasphemies? Right, this is the relationship that's forming between God and humanity as Jesus is uh, walking on this earth. And we get into the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verse 38. There is this moment in which Lazarus, Jesus' good friend, dies. And, and Jesus comes a little late to the game, ultimately brings Lazarus back to life. And there's great rejoicing and everybody's excited, except from that day on, the Pharisees plan to put him to death. And even, it, it, just in case we don't limit the disconnect of love between, you know, let's say that we always pick on the Pharisees or the scribes or the Sadducees, and, and we've got the common people in there that are, uh, but, but just in case, lest we forget that Peter is on record for denying Jesus three times. Peter, whom Jesus has already said, I am renaming you from Simon to Peter because you are going to be the rock on which my church is built. And, and uh, Peter goes on to deny Jesus three times. But what is Jesus' reaction to Peter, one of his closest friends, denying him three times? Is when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? This has got to get frustrating, right? This is like a needy, you know, boyfriend. Like, are you sure that you love me? Are you sure that you love me? Right? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And so Jesus shows this love. I mean, the, the, the good news here is that Jesus is showing love to Peter, who even though he denied him three times, Jesus is still saying, I want you still to be the rock. Peter would go on to be on the main council in Jerusalem. Peter would go on to be a pillar in the church. In the Catholic church, they believe that Peter was the first pope. But here's the thing about this scripture verse that really shows us something about how much God loves us. 
when you read this scripture passage and you've got the, you know, what we perceive as a needy boyfriend asking, how much do you love me over and over again? Well, the first time Jesus asked, Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you agape me more than these? Do you love me unconditionally? Do you love me without question? Do you love me without any pause? Because I'm trusting you to go and feed my lambs. I want you to have full buy-in and full commitment. I want you to know how loved you are, how powerful you are, the mission and the effort that you can put forth to this. And Peter answers, yes, Lord, I affiliate you. We're bros. We've hung out for three years. This has been a great time, right? We've had this really great friendship, and it's really been cool. I mean, when things got hard, I know I abandoned you and pushed you to the side. But we're good, right? We got filial love. And Jesus says, no, no, Peter... Do you agape me? And Peter says, yeah, man, I affiliate you. Don't you understand what I'm saying here? This is a great friendship that we've got. And right, when you're reading it in Greek, you can almost get to the third line. And Peter's hurt because he doesn't understand in this moment. But Jesus resigns himself. The third time Jesus asks, he says, Peter, do you affiliate me? Peter says, yes, of course I affiliate you. I've told you twice already. Right? See, our, our reaction to God's love is often what benefits us. Our reaction to God's love is generally, okay, well, I'm going to worship God when it's good, or I'm going to uh, give to God when it's good, or I'm going to kind of serve God when it all makes sense, and when everything's perfect and good between us, or when everything's perfect and good in the world. But what Jesus is saying to us is really, or asking us is, do you agape me? Do you love me with the same love that I give to you? I walked you through that biblical journey when not everything is perfect, either in the world or between us and God, where uh, people are consistently planning to kill Jesus or throwing him off a cliff or otherwise. And these are still the same people that the story of the prodigal son has God running toward the person that has denied him. These are the same people that have Jesus up on a cross looking down at the people and saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. This is the amazing, unconditional love that God has for us because God is love. And when we were created, we were created to be loved. This is what Paul says in Romans chapter 8. This is the love that we cannot get rid of. There is nothing that will stand in the way of God's love for us. No matter how many times we try and throw Jesus off a cliff, no matter how many times we try and deny Jesus, no matter how many times we try and put Jesus up on a cross, no matter how much we say, you know what, Jesus, we're good as long as everything's good. That God is consistently there with the highest standard of love, the unconditional love that says, I will always be there for you. I will always be there with you. And I will always be there for you. Because I am love. And you were created in the image of love. This is why when your kids are yelling at you or you're yelling at your partner, and you, we all know that we take out our deepest anger on the people that love us the most, right? Right? Because it's safe. It's not healthy, but it's safe because we know they're going to be there. Because our familial love and our friend love is undergirded, it is supported, it is founded in this agape love of God. It's the reason why even when we are passionate about somebody, when we are romantic with somebody, we can still have feelings of romance for somebody that we might be in a tiff with or in a, in a battle with. Because that romance love is initiated and supported and built on the foundation of agape love. John Wesley argued from 1 John chapter 4 that using the definition of God as love, that um, we 
have love ingrained inside of the DNA and fabric of who we are. That the reason we can have empathy with people in Ukraine or Yemen or the freezing in Dallas this past week, that we don't know their names, we don't know their stories, but we see the blight of human suffering upon them. And because we are made with love and love is sewn into the fabric of our being, our heart reaches out to those people. And it's the same with the way that we feel romantic love for for somebody, is that we are made in love and somebody sparks that inside of us. That 1 John 4 tells us that because God is love and because we are made in the image of God, the most satisfaction we will find in life, the most fulfillment we will find in life, is when we act in perfect, sacrificial, unconditional love. That is when we will be the happiest. It's also when we break the cycles of sin that tell us that somebody else doesn't deserve love. One of the things that's been very inspiring for me recently is um, the actions of two women that I know, um, two women who have um, been divorced, um, in, and, and not like Dolly Parton, Porter Wagner, you know, the end of that story is that Porter Wagner heard the song and said, well, okay, well, you can go as long as I produce the song, and even though they were splitting, they found a way to work together. And these two divorces didn't happen with any kind of ceremonial blessing around them. They weren't great. What I've been really inspired by was a prayer request came in for, from one of these women. And it was praying for a very difficult time and a very difficult medical um, situation for her now ex-husband. And I was just so amazed of how somebody could truly live out the teaching of Jesus to say that you should love your enemies and pray for your enemies. Another one was put a picture on Facebook, and it was a picture of their you know, shared child. And, and they tagged this person in, the, talked about having this wonderful, cool, humorous experience, and, and they put it on Facebook. And there was a part of me that wondered. I mean, it was so congenial and so loving and so full of laughter and life that I thought, I wonder if they've gotten back together, because that happens sometimes. And so I messaged this woman, and I hadn't talked to her in years, and just said, I just, you know, I just, I saw this on Facebook. I wondered if y'all had gotten back together. I mean, that would be great, and, uh, and I just pray for the best for y'all. I just was checking to see how y'all were doing. I hadn't talked to you in a while. I just want to read to you what her response was, because um, I thought this was amazing. She answered back, no, no, that'll never happen. <laughs> but we have learned how to share this life with a different kind of love than before. He'll never be my friend or my husband again. But I've learned I'm stronger than I ever thought I was to look on him and actually see someone God loves. If you want to know why, I, I heard somebody, uh, not from this congregation, but I was talking with somebody from a different Methodist church, and they, they said, all we talk about is God's love all the time. I said, well, there's a reason for that. Right? We talk about God's love every Sunday. Because God's love is the foundation of, the source of, and the catalyst for every other love that we have. Every relationship that we have is founded and sourced by and inspired by the love God has for us. And whether we accept that or whether we reject that from relationship to relationship is usually how that relationship is going to go. We talk about God's love all the time because it is the foundation of every interaction we have. It is the foundation of who we are and who we were created to be. And when we deny that love or when we are callous to that love, relationships go bad. Marriages end, relationships end, partnerships end, friendships end. When we deny the love that Jesus showed us, 
that is when things go wrong. But when we embrace that love, when we accept that love, when we challenge ourselves to look upon a Russian soldier as God's child. We were in Nam Nam. So Lindsay's birthday, her 40th birthday, and we went and got queso from Nam Nam's, which is a restaurant by our house. And we walk in, and there's the ticker going across the bottom of the TV, and it talks about... um, this wasn't originally part of the sermon, but I felt like it was worth sharing. This ticker goes by and it says, Ukrainian army downs Russian paratrooper transport plane. And my oldest daughter looks up at me and says, Dad, that's really good, right? And my initial reaction was, yes, it is. But none of it's good. Because those are God's children too. And that's what agape love looks like. Agape love looks like when you nail somebody to a cross and they still look at you and say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Agape love looks like your friend denying you and still asking them to be a vital part of everything that's important in your life. And 1 John is actually a letter written to the early church as kind of a rubric of testing who false teachers and false prophets are. And it has different qualifications, but as it comes to the very end of it, the qualifier is if anybody is teaching you to live in a way other than the radical love of Jesus, then they are a false teacher. If they are teaching you to have conditional love that is dependent upon someone's race or ethnicity or nationality or income status or gender or whatever, then they are a false teacher. 1 John 4 makes it very clear that if a teacher is teaching you anything but the radical love of Jesus says if somebody asks for your cloak, give them your shirt too. Then they are a false teacher. Because we are created in the image of God. And the image of God is love. And so the only way that we will ever find the fulfillment is if we are able to pray and discipline and practice seeing each other and acting toward each other with the unconditional, unmerited love that God shows us. So I'm going to make you uncomfortable here because I don't think we hear this often enough in a more personal way of things. We talk generally all the time, and I talk to a bigger crowd all the time, but it's very important when someone takes our hand or looks us in the eye and expresses feelings towards us. And so Um, I know this is going to make the introverts in the room uncomfortable. But I want you, before we pray, to turn to at least one person and look them in the eye and speak the words, God loves you, to them. Please do that. And you know what? I hope you were a little uncomfortable. (laughs) Because we don't do it enough. And we need to get comfortable expressing the love of God toward each other. Let's pray. Christus God, we are here in worship today because a long time ago, we felt your love in a very tangible, personal way. We saw your love lived out through the way that you walked amongst the streets of Israel, touching the lepers that nobody would touch, eating with the Pharisees who people hated, 
calling the tax collector into service with you. And even appointing the one who denied you to be your chief steward. We're here because we're grateful. We're here because we're loved. We're here because we're forgiven. We're here because we worship you and are so grateful for the love that you have poured down upon us. And so God, give us the courage and strength for ordinary love, for agape to become ordinary. So that in every interaction we have, from the checkout to the highway, to our families, to our loved ones, to church, that we might not just settle with, we're friends when it's good, but we live into, we love even when it's not perfect. We thank you, God, for everything. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We would love if you could leave us a review on whatever platform you are listening today and let us know how we are doing. Be sure to check out our social media pages at Creekwood UMC and our website, creekwoodumc.org, for more ways to get involved at Creekwood United Methodist Church in person, online, or both. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.